I'm Angelique Roche, and this is Marvel's Voices. Uh, the thing about Nyla Magruder is she speaks so loud on the page. Like, the way she scripts characters and, and the way she thinks comes very much across in how she answers questions. And you can see this little this little smile, this little smirk when she, when her brain has formulated uh, her answer or it reminds her of something or you can tell there's this, this really cool storyline that's going on in her mind. And it's, it was so much fun getting a chance just to talk to her and get a little more in depth of where some of her inspiration has come from. Nyla Magruder is an artist, an animator, a storyboarder, a writer, a comic book fan, and most importantly, she kind of has this love for anthropomorphic creatures, superheroes, what is the life of a bunny? But her first comic here at Marvel actually features two of my favorite characters, Rocket and Tippy Toe. Somehow Rocket's on Earth tippy toes in Central Park and they gotta fight Plant Man. Since then Nyla has done a lot of work and right now is currently writing Marvel Rising which is another one of my favorite comics. The second issue is out. You can check it out in your local comic book store. Third issue is coming out this month so you check it out. Uh, It's a really it's a really interesting story involving our superheroes going through some some life things. Uh, Kamala Khan's trying to figure out you know, what she's going to do in college with her life because we all have all had that existential crisis. But also, it brings in a deep cut, which is a villain for the Marvel Universe, Morgan Le Fay in New York. So I, I can't wait for you to hear this episode. It is so much fun. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to let it speak for itself. Anytime. Because you have a lot of things going on. Just a couple, yeah. A few? Yeah. I, and, and it's so rare that, and we've had a couple people in the chair, it's so rare that we get somebody who does both sides, like does the illustration, you've done cover art, like Dactyl Squat, like personal favorite, like the stuff that I actually, I bought the book and I've given it to one of my nephews, which means I I did not finish that book yet because I, I gave it to a nine-year-old because... That's who was supposed to have the book. Right. But the cover art, like just being from Louisiana and just understanding some of the kind of dynamics behind the characters and how they're portrayed on the cover, which is so amazing to me. And so now to see you doing that with this diverse gang, crew, squad that is Marvel Rising is pretty awesome. Yeah. It I when I got that email, um, you know, it was kind of a dream project for me. It's so within the realm of what I do and everything I care about uh, as far as storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. So you're originally from Maryland. Yes. Um, siblings? Three. Wow. Yeah. Are you middle? Youngest. <gasps> yes. How many do you have? Are the best. My, I have two. Okay. That's who I mean. I'm, I'm the youngest. I've yeah. got two older sisters. Well, yeah. we we get we get the I think we get the chance to be the nerds, man. I really think because yeah. my sister is nerdy; mm-hmm. she's not a nerd. Yeah, like you start talking about TV series with my sister, and she's just like, "Who?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, and well, what's funny? I think I think I'm actually very influenced by my siblings because my sister mm-hmm. was a huge sci-fi fanatic at a time that I was not. 
Okay, so by sci-fi fanatic, what do we mean? Do we mean like... So Star Trek The Next Generation, Babylon 5... Yeah, like okay, she's like like she likes a good she likes a good space opera. I right. got it. Yeah, and I w- at that age like she would try to sit me down and get me to watch these things, and I was like, no, space is dumb. <laughs> Werewolves and vampires are dumb. And now I'm like, <gasps> I know. And now I'm super into all of that. And then, <laughs> and then my brother like. I wasn't the big comics person, but he was in the comic shop every week. Like, he's got boxes and boxes of Marvel comics. And so I find it especially weird that I'm here doing this, but he was the real comics fan. But that's the same thing. So my sister was a huge Broadway head, and my mom was a huge Star Trek head. uh, And my brother-in-law was obsessed with X-Men. Now, I watched Animaniacs, Hysteria, X-Men, you know, Everybody watched the X-Men cartoon. Yeah. And then I fell in love with the movie. So my deal was I loved vampires Mm. and Blade came out Um. and I watched Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck was probably my first and still like favorite Marvel movie. Didn't realize any of these were Marvel movies. Yeah. I was just like, Wesley Snipes killing vampires. I'm here for this movie. And so I got my love of kind of the occult zombie slasher. I can't watch Freddy Krueger anymore, though. They Mm. used that to tease me. It wasn't cool. Yeah. Because that's the only thing about being a baby, though, man. They will always find something to tease you about. I know. What is that? Yeah. And see, like, I think... I couldn't do horror as a kid because we, you know, we lived in Maryland in the woods and that in itself was kind of terrifying. So yeah. I would watch a horror movie. That is the like, beginning of us. Yeah. Okay. So again, we lived in the woods and like sometimes. We talking about like an acre of land in the woods? Are about we talking five. About, oh. Or maybe three. I can't that's remember. Cre- that's creepy. Enough that. When you were a little kid. Yeah. Like. People would just go walking through our property. And so, like, you would just see shadows moving in the woods. And there were people. And, you know, so you you go and then watch Nightmare on Elm Street. And no. it's like. No, you don't. Yeah. You don't go watch that. Yeah, that's exactly. Not what, that's not what you. No. Yeah. So you started writing pretty early. Did any of this inspire any of your writing? You haven't written any horror. You mean people walking in the woods? I mean, look, man. <laughs> I mean, I think I embrace it more now. Um, you know, as a as a as a young writer, I wanted to write about interesting places that are not where I live because of the course, middle of nowhere. The middle of nowhere couldn't be interesting. Right, exactly. But now I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, there's definitely something to there. Like yeah. I, I really love dark fantasy now. Mm. And I, I think part of that is because of where I grew up and also being very into fairy tales as a kid. Interesting. Yeah. Are we talking about like the real life fairy tales where everyone actually doesn't survive? Or are we talking about like a little bit? You know, when I was a kid, we we had these like huge collections of children's fairy tales that had these beautiful like ink and full color painted illustrations. And when I think of that's that's kind of like the background noise to everything I do is kind of these you know like a a black and white a black and white ink illustration can have a very somber mood to it and so that's kind of where I live where you know where my stories come from yeah so like is is your your drawing illustration 
animation jam the same as your writing jam? Or are they are they the same, or do they vary? You mean in terms of content? In terms of what you love to do, because right, because okay. we you know, sometimes we're like, oh, this is a challenge, we're gonna do it. Because like even storyboarding is such a very unique space to be in, and that's where you started, right? Right. Storyboarding came as a surprise to me. Like yeah. when I first learned about it, I was like, oh, ew, that's boring. Who would ever want to do that? <laughs> and then somehow I got really good at it. And there was a summer that I was home and I was looking through like old diaries and stuff. And, you know, I kept finding where, like, I would talk about as a younger person, you know, talk about loving story. Mm. And I realized, wow, it's always been there. Like, this is no surprise at all. And so what I love about all of these forms, you know, writing and storyboarding and children's books is they're all kind of the same thing. You know, they all require the same principles. And, you know, animation and children's books and comics allow me to use these techniques that I've learned over time kind of all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because here's here's the cool thing is like when I first saw Marvel Rising, I was like, okay, cool. We've got a bunch of women. We've got a bunch of people of color. They get to be superheroes and they get to be human. Yes. And that's and that's a thing that I really love about these characters. It's also kind of what I've I've loved about the work that you've done before, even when you're dealing with anthropomorphic creatures mm-hmm. like Tippy Toe and Rocket, you know, there's still this this character yeah. that you can kind of relate to. For you, I know you were like a huge cartoon fanatic. I know you kind of like started in the nineties, you've watched Animaniacs, which mm. personal favorites. Oh yes. Um, how has it been being able to bring that voice to girls who used to be us? Right. You know, like first and foremost, I just want to have fun in everything I do, and I hope that fun comes through and with with what I write. Yeah. Um, and it does. Good. It does. No, no. I'm literally going. She laughed at this when she wrote it. <laughs> she did. She looked at herself and she was like, "This is just snarky enough." Yeah. You know, <laughs> like if my editor comes back, if she writes a little note that's just like, "Ha ha," you know, I know I've done my job. <laughs> um, if I can make her laugh, I'm happy. If I can make anyone laugh, I I'm happy. Yeah. Um, as a creator, you know, I'm not thinking every day, like, I'm a woman of color, and this is my woman of color voice. Yeah. You know, I'm still, like, just a kid that grew up in the country in, like, central Maryland, and grew up running around the woods and chasing animals and just being... You weren't chasing squirrels, were you? I, I was actually kind of afraid of squirrels as a kid. I don't know. I, They're this- just... They're creepy and they're always there, you know. <laughs> so I, I, my nickname as a kid was actually Squirrel. I really? crap you not. Um, that was my childhood nickname. That's amazing because they're troublemakers. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Wasn't like a cute nick. You know, kids. Oh, hey, Chipmunk. Oh, no, 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 no. I was Squirrel because yeah. I was a troublemaker. So I can understand why you would be creeped up by squirrels. They're, yeah. they're nothing but no, no good skis. They exactly. except for Tippy Toe. Yes, Tippy Toe. <laughs> you know, t- Tippy Toe is a squirrel among squirrels. She's she's terrific. 
Um, but yeah, and you know, like getting the assignment for that Tippy Toe and Rocket Raccoon team up, like yeah. bonkers, but so in the realm of what I do, like I love talking animals and I love Ooh. madcap adventure. I need to understand why, because I yeah. feel that when I read your writing and that you're bringing someone on this adventure of a person who means well, mm-hmm. means so well, can't seem to put their left foot out of the way of their right foot. Yeah, and I guess that was, you know, that feels true to my experience as a person, yeah. as like a human being yeah. in the world. I I always feel just a little bit out of place. And, you know, as a writer, I've never thought very deeply about inserting myself into my fiction. I, mm-hmm. I've always kind of approached storytelling with myself as far removed as I possibly can be. And it's only recently that I've kind of started embracing my own perspective and really paying attention to my own emotions about certain situations. And like this, this feels terrible. It feels like just mining, you know, tragedy and trauma for the sake of art. But when I have a really intense experience, whether it's positive or negative, you know, I'll think to myself, remember this, remember this feeling, Mm. because this is, this is something real. And this is the sort of thing that you want to imbue in your storytelling. Because it's hard to, it's hard to consciously think about that and do the work and, you know, and make it compelling. So I hope I'm doing it I hope I I hope I've thought about it enough to do it subconsciously now. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because you're, you know, you and so few people have this moment where they're like, I love this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this thing. Like for you, just as in kind of developing out being an award winning comic book creator at a time when digital comics were so new. Yeah. Um, like how has it evolved from you? For you since then. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I did have inspiration. I like I got really into the early internet culture. I really got into anime and manga. And yeah. uh, like I started this just online zine to talk about anime. And that kind of propelled me into web comics and that world. And so I had that inspiration there. There were like people my age, actually, who are now uh, these like prolific graphic novelists like Faith Aaron Hicks and Jin Wang. And, you know, Cleo Shang actually is in animation now, but they were making these fascinating long form web comics that kind of had more of a manga style to them. And I was eating them up. You know, you could just go online and read page after page and it was free. And like, it was this great insular world. And, you know, going into my early 20s, that was, you know, that was just constantly revolving in my head because comics or a medium that you can do by yourself. And that's kind of what's great about them. You know, with film and animation, you need a crew. It's a really a collaborative effort. And comics can be a collaborative effort. But with comics, all you really need is a pencil and paper, and you can make them yourself. Yeah. Well, that's, and I mean, that's what, that's what deviant art was for me when yeah. I was, when I was younger. Like, for me, it was deviant art. It was any any fan fiction site I can get my hands on and PBS. Like I would just eat up 
any content that came from the BBC. I would eat like, and you latch on to it. And I think because yeah. the internet was so new, you could just sit there for hours. Well, and you could connect with people all around the world. Like you yeah. weren't just restricted to, you know, your your bedroom or like yeah. your family or your close friends. You could you could put something online and have an audience. Yeah, and that was intoxicating to me. Wow. And so you t- you took that and you took from from web comics into cover art and illustrations. When you're looking at the frame of reference for a lot of these things, because you've said before that you love doing animals. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're from the country, so yeah. you've seen some of these animals. Yeah, I've um, seen some things up close and personal. Um, so, so where does this love for for drawing animals and bringing? Because I, I that clearly comes to life in in how you write for them as well. Yes, because um, I think it's it's both sides, right? Like again, you you it's so cool that you're able to both write and bring other people's writing to life. Yeah, I think it helped with regards to animals that they're very frequent subject matter in both animation and children's books. So I was kind of getting inundated that way. Hmm. And like that that kind of led to my fascination of drawing them. I got my start drawing with animals hmm. and honestly didn't draw people until I was in high school. Animals were just always my subject of choice now are these like regular everyday animals or are these like the rabbit king like what what are what are these um gosh well you know it started with regular everyday animals i was i was into like realistic naturalistic drawing but Mm -hmm. also i was very influenced by animation not only disney movies but you know i'd watch things from like russia and the uk like most of my friends know watership down is one of my favorite stories so you know not necessarily the rabbit king but i i was always interested in the interior lives of wild animals Interesting, because I mean, who actually knows what a rabbit does when you don't see a rabbit hopping exactly. around? Yeah. So this, this, so this evolved into you telling your own stories, mm-hmm. and it evolved into you um, doing things that you are now getting to do. You get to do people. Yeah. You know, you have been known to say, like, yeah, adults are cool, uh, but I really like writing for kids and for teens and I feel like that is really what you're doing. Yeah. Uh with Marvel Rising. Like when I when I when I'm looking at it I'm like, yeah, this fun field superhero adventure is great, but there are some real life lessons <laughs> in this story. Well, yeah, you know, uh Jesse Ham who uh does a lot of art, not criticism per se, but discussion online um uh, made a wonderful comment you know when you're when you're writing children's books you're not just writing for kids you're writing for future adults mm. and you're not just writing for kids for one moment in time like you're writing a story that they're going to take with them throughout the rest of their lives it's so real. And yeah. I actually, I was having a conversation this weekend with Jesse Holland, who wrote Who is Black Panther. Mm. And I was having this conversation that the stories you write today are the history of tomorrow. Yeah. It's the same concept, right? Like, 
it is so cool to see that someone who is very passionate about what they do now, but even as a kid who looked at all of this work, who is award-winning, who is the first black woman to write a comic at Marvel, to be able to come back and not only define these stories like with Tippy Toe and Rocket, but now come back and write Squirrel Girl yeah. and write Kamala Khan, who so many girls, or even Quake, and America Chavez, like so many girls look up to because they can see themselves in this work. Yeah. Like how I, I, I feel like it's such an easy word to say, but like how much fun is that? Like <laughs> what is that even what does that even feel like to have that opportunity to know that you're you're lending your voice and your experiences and your joys and fears to a canon it's it's exciting, you know, like there's always in the back of my head, like you're writing for Marvel, like how nuts is that? <laughs> like who would have ever thought? But also it's so much pressure. Mm. Even even though this is this feels like one moment in time, but everything in that comic is going to become a part of yeah. that universe and a part of Marvel history. And so it really you know, it matters what I what I say, you know, not in terms not just in terms of, you know, doing the Marvel continuity justice, but also what it, what it, what I say to readers and like and you know we do write this for girls and teens you know that is a very important part of the marvel rising audience mm -hmm. and you know i i put that demographic first and for foremost when i'm writing for them mm -hmm. but you know it does matter like what we say and i'm constantly thinking about that you know i'm looking at um i'm looking at g willow wilson and like saladin ahmed and e-viewing and I'm reading their comics and thinking you know what are what are they saying and they make such like brilliant commentary on mm -hmm. social issues and on local issues and you know as I'm writing I'm constantly thinking okay I want this to be fun yes and it's it's a short story so I don't have a lot of time to you know really delve deeply into issues but I'm constantly thinking what can I say Mm. Like, what can readers take away from this? That's genuine and authentic, right? Because at the end of the day, this is kind of your sweet spot. There's yeah. animals, there's children, there's yeah. teens. It's yeah. kind of everything that what I know of of, of your background and, and it, that you love. Yeah. Even in reading the first issue of Marvel Rising and going through this, like, journey with Kamala and this thought of going... Everybody thinks Kamala has it together. Mm -hmm. But there's this moment of what is pure anxiety yeah. of a young woman who is looking at her future and it seems so immediate. Right. And then I could see how that comes out in this conversation she's having with herself about not even knowing what to major in. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, the struggle of working with all these characters is they, they have their own title series where a lot of this stuff is being, you know, figured out. You know, every all these title series are just focused on them and their their being and their mindset. And then you have 
you know, the team up stories like Champions and the Avengers where like you're working out the dynamics of these characters together in a group. And so like I, I kind of had to hunt for, you know, what is Ms. Marvel's a- angle here? Like where mm. is she? Um, where is she in her mindset? And I think, you know, thinking about the future, thinking about who you're going to be as an adult is a very like teenage experience. It's something we all go through. And when you're at that age and like everything is so new, um, you don't know what to expect. You don't, uh, you know, I was talking to a friend recently about when you're a kid and like you'll do something stupid and an adult will ask you, what were you thinking? And you'll, you'll just be like, I don't know. I wasn't thinking like, and you know, at that age, you just have no concept of consequences. And so like, you just, you have no foresight. And I thought it was kind of interesting to look at this from a young superhero's perspective. Like she, she's done all these amazing things, but she's still a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. College is a big deal. Yeah. Like this, this is the rest of your life. What is the rest of your life going to look like? And when you're that age, that question hits you like a wall. Yeah. And even if you're a superhero. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I think the other cool thing about um, this particular storyline is that first issue, we got to hear from Kamala. Mm -hmm. Second issue, which is, which very seldomly we get to hear introspectively from Inferno. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wait, like what was like, how do you even start with, he's been through it a lot (laughs) this young man (laughs) yeah and like to be honest I wasn't sure you know what can I draw from like he's got such a complicated backstory like what can we use in the story and you know and again juggling all these characters at once like and what I really found compelling after reading Secret Warriors was his relationship with Quake yeah. Like the two of them together, you know, there's such there's something so volatile about them. I mean, and apart they're volatile enough together, yeah. they literally can bring the house down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. literally. So as you're kind of doing this, I there there is this art of balancing, right? Mm-hmm. There's this art of bringing it together because issue 1 we got to hear from Kamala, issue 2 we're hearing from Inferno, but there's also the storyline right with Morgan <laughs> Faye, like, where did the idea come from? Because Morgan also, character with lots of legacy. Yes. Like, honestly, I needed a villain. And, you know, Marvel always comes to me with, hey, like, do this storyline and go nuts. And so I basically. Sorry. See, it just, it happens so naturally now. (laughs) Um, But basically, like, here's the entire lexicon of Marvel villains. Just pick something. And so, like, I was online scrolling through. You know, my editor, Sarah, had given me some suggestions. And nothing really felt right. You know, this story is five issues. It's a miniseries. It's about 100 pages in total. That's not a lot of space. Yeah. So I had to pick something that something contained, but that would pack a lot of punch. And... I was thinking I wanted to do a team. I kind of wanted to do team versus team at first, but 
it felt like a little too much. So I kept. So you went to the high school drama club and you got the kids who went to the Rennie Fair who did yeah. an incantation and brought back Morgan Lefay. Yeah. You know, and I'd actually forgotten that she was a villain in the Marvel Universe, but I, yeah. I saw her name and I was like, oh, like, I love Arthurian legend. Yeah. And that is a character. I was like, yeah, I can work with that. And I kind of, you know, had to sell my editor on it, but. Like she, she really got into it too, and we were both like, "Okay, yeah, like medieval New York City. Why not having cars jousting? Yeah, <laughs> outside of Empire State University. Sure, no big deal. yeah, no big deal. Exactly. And you know, like researching New York too. Like it, there was so much opportunity. Like you know, coming upon the name Arthur Kill. Yeah, like, you know, at that point, I was like, "Oh yeah, I've got it. This is." <laughs> This it's, is going to work. It's always nice when the pieces fall together. It's kind of everything. It's yeah. kind of everything that what I know of, of, of your background and, and it, that you love. Yeah. And it, it really shows the story. And, and I hope that folks are enjoying it as much as I am. Uh, so quick fire questions. Yes. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Flight. Ooh. What is your superpower? I'm a cat whisperer, and I know cat lovers say that, but, like, cats have a very strange reaction to me that I cannot control, but it's wonderful to watch. I'm here for this. Mm. We'll talk more about this later. Cool. What is currently on your playlist? I was just listening to Chance the Rapper on the subway. Yes. I love him. What was your first comic book? Do you remember? Gosh. I know Jerry Craft is probably sick of me pumping him up, but I really do think Jerry Craft's um, Mama's Boys was my first comic book. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite Marvel superhero? Kitty Pride. We'll talk more about that later. Okay. Um, and last but not least, technically not a quick fire question, but it depends on how you answer it. What does storytelling mean to you? Okay, this is a slow burn question. I have to think about this. I don't know. Storytelling means an escape. Hmm. One word answer. Mm. I'm here for it. This has been great. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is awesome. Cool. It's yeah. so Morgan Le Fay looks so good. She does on the cover. those covers. But she also looks so good in the interior. Thanks so much, Nyla, for stopping by. I, I cannot wait to read the rest of Marvel Rising and see what happens with our superheroes and Morgan Le Fay. Um, and most importantly, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to see some more cool stuff from Marvel's Voices, as well as some of the other cool stuff we're doing here, make sure you're checking out Marvel 80. Uh, there are going to be a couple special Marvel Voices clips that came out. We just did one on Storm. There'll be a new one coming out in May. You just have to wait and see who it is. But I'm very excited because it's one of my favorite characters ever uh as well as check out the marvel after show right now we are doing uh season two of marvel's cloak and dagger which is airing on thursdays on freeform at 7 p.m eastern right after a brand new episode of marvel's cloak and dagger make sure you're heading on over to wherever you listen to podcasts and checking out a brand new episode of the marvel after show